0: You have to have a unique viewpoint. And I think that that is key. I mean, no matter what it is that you are going to come to the market and speak about, if you don't have a unique viewpoint to to take that message to the crowd, the chances of you being booked are slim and none. They're speakers, authors, and real life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menzoir. What's up, what's up, what's up, people? Welcome to your favorite podcast. It is Thoughts That Rock, where we uh, look at, uh, you know, things that are happening these days and uh, see if we can't give some advice, either through incredible guests or ourselves, must be so (laughs) humble to provide that advice ourselves. Um, But uh, we do about 30 minutes or so. Which of us is the guest? Who's the home team today? Uh, I think I'm always the home team because I'm the one pushing the buttons. (laughs) (laughs) So you would have to be the guest unless you figure out how to push buttons. (laughs) Uh, but um yeah so uh, welcome everybody we're we're sort of gonna continue our sort of series that we've done when it's just the two of us when we don't have a guest on how to be a speaker today's topic jim is how to find your niche as a speaker <laughs> uh, full translation so get- <laughs> yeah we,
1: we we just decided the topic uh, i don't know 30 seconds ago that's <laughs> right
0: that's right. Wait a minute. Let me let me uh let's get to it. So let's talk. Let's talk for just a second. Um we're gonna give three thoughts today around how to find your niche. So what is uh what is the first thought that rocks with regarding finding your niche as a speaker?
1: Yeah, I think you know, when you first come out of the gate, I think the last time, our very first one was really about you know, how to get started as a speaker. And and we gave you some really good tactical stuff. This one, I think the first thought that rocks is really about, you got to do some research, right? You got to do your research on what the heck is out there. And you and I have had many, many conversations about this because we do see some of our friends that will come on the scene And they haven't done the research. Maybe they're they've picked a topic or they've got a style or there's somebody who or or many people that are already doing that exact same thing and doing it well. Um, and and we can talk about some of the other things that are on our list, but doing your research and just finding out what is in the market and who else is in the market that's already doing this, um, I I think is probably the first step. And you know, you and I, I think people probably confused, especially when you were first coming on, because they probably thought, well, you guys both do music oriented stuff and it couldn't be further from that. You know, there were some Mm -hmm. elements of that, I think in both of our sessions in particular, I think, you know, you being an actual musician, both being able to play guitar and sing and had been doing it for like, I don't know, 25 years or something like that on the road, Mm -hmm. but really Mm -hmm. your, your content, your style transcended even that. And I think people, probably got confused. I bet if you were putting us next to each other, if, if you, if I hadn't done my research or you hadn't done it and we were doing the exact same thing, you know, one of us winds up cannibalizing the other. But I think sometimes people don't even know, you know, they might pick leadership and just realize there's a million leadership speakers out there. So, you know, I'd say first and foremost, before you start opening your mouth and getting out there in the public or even presenting yourself, even with all that awesome collateral we talked about last time, you probably yeah. need to look around and see what exactly is going on in that realm, right? I mean, what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah.
0: No, I agree. I, you know, I, I think it's important to figure out, first of all, who's getting hired to do what, right? So, <laughs> so, you can have a great topic, but if nobody wants to hear about it, then you got, you know, you got to do your research to figure out what do people want to hear right now. Yeah. And this is something that changes. It changes frequently and it sort of uh, follows trends that are in the media or what people are talking about or what's, uh, you know, hot subject on LinkedIn or, or whatever, whatever it is. So, you know, a few years ago uh, when the Me Too movement really hit hard, if you were a middle-aged white speaker... Yeah um, mail, uh, you didn't get booked, um, because nobody wanted to hear from, from that. And so, you know, when, when things like that happen, um, we've seen a big push rightfully so towards the diversity and inclusion and making sure that we are including, you know, People of color and 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 different uh, backgrounds for yeah. keynote speakers. So it's not just middle aged white males who are are giving conference keynotes. Um, I think we are we're, we're have made some pretty good strides in, within yeah. the industry. I think we're still far from where it needs to be, but. Um, you know, when it comes to doing your research, you've got to know sort of what are the topics, even in the last six months, you know, we, we went from quiet quitting to, you know, whatever the topic of the day is yeah. now, which is AI. So if yeah. you're going to talk about chat GPT, your shot of getting a, a keynote yeah. right now is, it's pretty good. Pretty, pretty so, high. you know, you do your research to figure out a a couple of things. Is the market saturated with speakers that are already speaking on the subject that you want to? Because that is important for for somebody to know. And it'll sort of get into more in our second thought as to why that is. But um, there are some safer buckets, right? Like we we know for a fact, um, if leadership is one of your buckets, there's always money to spend on leaders. No That's matter right. how bad the company is doing, uh, they will find money to spend on leadership. Uh, yeah, if and sales just, and just is what to, you do. Just to add to that too, it wasn't yeah. just us having that
1: epiphany, right? We were lucky because either we were associated with a bureau or an agent, but yeah. I clearly remember this speaker event that we went to a couple of years ago in Toronto. And uh, there were some people there, including the president of the speaker bureau who just flat out said... Like all of that stuff that you guys are talking about is cute, cute, cute. If you have the word leaders or leadership, you got a pretty good chance of, of, of getting hired. So, you know, not that we encourage everybody to go out there and do that, but I guess part of the research is at least we've got a community of people where we're getting access to data. Sometimes now I'm relying on our reps to do that. So yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt, but for me, it's yeah, just great totally. that there are other people doing that work and they've got their finger on the pulse. Uh, so I don't have to necessarily do the research, but this is about beginning speakers. Like if you're going to go out there and do this yeah. for a living, where do you start? Yeah. And, you're, and And our point here is you got to do the research. So keep going.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think sales is another category that they always find money to spend on keynotes, right? If you can help mm-hmm. somebody increase their sales or, or uh, you know, have stronger performance within the sales category. Uh, again, they there's always money there. Uh, yeah. Things like pharmaceuticals. There is never a bad time for pharmaceuticals, <laughs> right? Yeah. Everybody always needs drugs all the time. And so, you know, they always have money to spend. Uh, so... You know, those are the things to think about because those, if if you're looking for consistency, if you're looking for um, being able to do this as a full time job without without side gigs, um, then you you need to put yourself into buckets that always have the money to spend. And I think that part that's part of the research. And and then again, you know, it it's also about finding what's who's getting booked and why. Right. You, yeah. you just like a, in the in the music business, um, you know, you want to listen to what bands are in the top 20 or whatever that what, what are people into right now? What are the themes? What are the you know, in country music, you see a lot. It's sort of theme driven. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the you sort of had that bro country movement for a short minute there where it was just about getting in your pickup and, you know, having sex with women in the back and the, you know, drinking whiskey and the whole, it's like, that's what it was. And so every song was about that. So in the similar, in, in the idea of, of doing your research, figure out who are the top speakers in your category, right? And what are they saying? How are they communicating what they do? Because there's a lot to learn. We, for both of us have, have been, really blessed with some great mentors um mm-hmm. to be able to look up to and 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 see why they've you know been so successful and these are people that are not household names but yet make millions of dollars a year keynoting because they just have found their niche thank you yeah yes. thank you yes, <laughs> Jim is one of my mentors bastard I'm not one of the rich one- uh, that's just crushing it out there. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish. Don't let him fool you. Don't let him fool you. Twenty nineteen. This man did near a hundred gigs, <laughs> which is just mind boggling. Whatever. That, I mean, it was a crazy number of gigs. Whatever. Yeah. And
1: then, and then along comes COVID pandemic.
0: We're we, you know no, now no.
1: we're much better being pandemic proof. I got to say that's uh, that's one thing that we learned. So you start off with the, you know, doing your research, what else is out there? Who else is out there? But I I think both of us were starting to allude to the second part, which might even be more important. I don't know. It's at the very least it's, it's uh, equal. What is our second thought that rocks?
0: Well, I I think the second thought is really about finding your angle, right? You have to have a unique viewpoint. And I think that that is key. I mean, no matter what it is that you are going to come to the market and speak about, if you don't have a unique viewpoint to, to take that message to the crowd, the chances of you being booked are slim and none. Because yeah. I promise you, there is plenty of competition who has already figured this out and they have that unique viewpoint. Not only do they have a unique viewpoint, they've got things like foundational stories that they tell that become the anchors mm-hmm. of their talks that people just tell these stories because they heard this keynote speaker give this amazing uh, presentation. And, and during that presentation, they heard this really cool little story. Uh, Jim's got a, a couple of signature stories in his talks that he does, no matter sort of what the, the, uh, subject might be and it's because we know they connect we know yeah. there's uh there's a frequency that it resonates at that people don't just remember it they actually repeat it and they tell other people these stories and that's our goal is to mm-hmm. have that sort of spread and it's probably why i mean you jim you you get an incredible amount of inbound inquiries, which is which is a, I mean, just incredibly hard to do as a speaker. Yeah. You've got to be around long enough and give enough presentations so that people just know who you are, know your brand, know what you talk about, know what they're going to get, um, to drive those inbound inquiries. But that comes from you finding your unique viewpoint, right?
1: Yeah. Well, and I think you know, again, these are sidebar discussions that you and I have had. I, I guess. Luck plays a small part in it, uh, only in the sense because of my experience, my background with a very well-known brand for two decades. So, you know, I probably had a little bit more of a leg up, I would guess, coming out of the gate swinging than if I was, let's say, just an author. Or if I just decided, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur and I used to do that. You know, yeah. y- you put the hard rock brand on there and it gives you a little bit of a chance Um, I would say my first couple of years, there's no way, there's absolutely no way I would have survived if I didn't have that in my background. But then over time, over years, and and by the way, I was still doing it on the side my last 10 years that I was there. So I was sort of on the side, You know, my side hustle was building, building, building. But for sure the first two years, I didn't make a lot of money. This is why I went into consulting because I had to compensate a little bit for the money until people figured out. And to your point, I had to find my own viewpoint. I can't rest on the laurels of just telling the hard rock story or putting it through that filter. Right. Then once you get your sea legs, once you get going, I then started to think I, I can wean myself off of that organization. And now you know, d- does it help that somebody puts that in the bio? I'm sure. But now with video, with the background, with the number of engagements, the type of groups, now you feel more secure. You know, I don't I don't feel like I've got that imposter syndrome anymore. It's yeah. I'm doing it based off of my content and off the delivery. But, you know, I will say this, and I want to talk a little bit about your viewpoint too. I, I will say knowing my angle is still probably rock and roll. And it's probably because... You know, I have a degree in music, although I don't really use it hardly at all. I did spend 21 years with a rock and roll oriented brand. You know, you wind up coming out of the gate with the spiky hair and, and all kinds of cool rock and roll gear. I, I sort of leaned into that and, and you know, that served me well. And I think it helps me when I have my unique viewpoint, whether people go, oh, that's the music guy or the hard rock guy or whatever. I don't care how it gets me into the gig Then you better, you better make sure that you bring the thunder, right? So I can get people, or at least my agent can get them into the candy store. You just have to believe when that happens, they're going to buy some candy. They're going to be happy with what they see. So my viewpoint, um, and angle was still, it's the music business all over again. You're you're doing nothing but covers to eventually you throw in one or two of your originals. And now it's pretty much all original except for a wink, wink, one or two covers. I might show a a hard rock video or tell a story, but I don't really need that particular company anymore. Um, but, but, But turning the tables a little bit in your world. I mean, I know... Your viewpoint, although it's unique and every time you've done it, has shifted a little bit. And sometimes you've gone and and put some things together. It's been a little bit of a mashup. Maybe start right out of the gate when you first started and and maybe now. um, And this is sort of a personal sidebar. What what do you think your unique viewpoint is right now? What is your angle?
0: Well, I think when I first started, um, it was more about the ability to command a stage. Uh, you know, and I got booked because I knew how to work an audience, right? That's mm-hmm. and, and it didn't really matter all that much what I spoke on. If people wow. had a good time, they learned something um, great. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I I was just a shiny object in the room that uh, that they were paying attention to. Your uh, eye candy. It, it was. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Um, it's hard. You know, it's a burden that I carry, Jim, with me. It's difficult. (laughs) Um, But, you know, the I I think once I wrote Black Sheep, once I wrote the book, um, what that helped me do on on a couple fronts is really narrow my focus as to what I'm going to speak about. Yeah. And secondly, gave me that unique viewpoint. Now, when you hear Black Sheep, it's it's me. I mean, there really is no one else in the market um, talking about what it means to be a black sheep and how do we, you know, redefine that term as to what people think and what it actually is. Right. And how do we take that and and that discussion with values and bring it into leadership, bring it into sales, bring it into hospitality, bring it into culture, bring it into all of those things because values touch everything, which Mm. is, which is, both a blessing and a curse when it comes to speaking Uh, because if you are a jack of all trades, you get no gigs. Um, You would think you get all the gigs, but it's not how it works. Um, It's, it's very much uh, I look at the speaker world. Like I look at the medical community a lot in that there are hardly any generalists anymore, right? Everybody's a specialist. If you, you know, have a, have a heart problem, you go to the cardiologist. If you've got, you know, a kidney problem, you go to a different doctor. If you've got a, a, a brain problem, you go to a different doctor, right? It, it's, it's, everybody has their niche and their path, and that's all they want to talk to you about and nothing else. Yeah. Um you would think that if you're really sort of a utility player, if you can, if you can do lots of things and speak on a lot of different subjects, it gives you more opportunities, but it actually dilutes your worth um, in mm-hmm. a lot of cases. Not always, but a lot of cases, they want an expert in one thing. They don't want someone who's good at a lot of things. They want to bring in that person who is known for that one thing. And yeah. so uh it's taken me years to figure out my one thing, right? And I and we've you've seen me go through. You know multiple builds of my website for crying out loud uh as to uh what that is but all of them uh, all of them but again there's a there's a danger in chasing trends which you don't want to do uh, because the minute you you chase that trend the trend is over um and so you've got to sort of you know i did an entire mastermind with with tamsin webster um in her red thread mastermind that she teaches She's and awesome. one of the things she teaches is really how to narrow your message, right? What is your angle? What is your unique viewpoint that, you know, in, in her case, she did it for TEDx talks at Cambridge for, for years and years and years. Um, yeah. So you got to get to the point. You got to give your point in about 15 minutes or less and, uh, and that's it. And so it really helped me sort of fine tune my elevator pitch, right? Why should somebody want to bring me in? What are they going to leave with? And what's that impact it's going to have on the organization? That unique viewpoint uh, is what gets me hired now. Um, What used to get me hired is, you know, here's a guy that that doesn't hurt to look at that plays and sings guitar, you know, uh, plays guitar and sings, Um, which is fine. I'll take it. But there's a ceiling to what people will pay for that. Right. So you might get booked all day long at three grand, five grand, but to get 20 grand, you better be an expert in your thing and be known for it because that's the only way you're going to reach that unless, unless you're famous, unless you're a household name and then it's a different story. But uh, you don't need, you don't fame sort of supersedes your unique viewpoint. But for most of us who don't have that, as, as famous as I am with Big Kettle Drum, I mean, <laughs> right? You know, as I said, Discovery Channel legends. Um, but uh, oh, wow. uh, beyond that, uh, you've got to have that unique viewpoint if you want to make the type of dollars that become sustainable, and it can be your full-time gig
1: yeah and I, I know you have another book in you at some point, um, but it is interesting even now if you were to shift it all at this point, I would feel knowing you and what you've been working on over a decade now it would just be a variation on a theme right you're still gonna have values as the core but now it's yep. it's either a deeper dive, a different take you know a different spin maybe there's more data, whatever it is that you can share with it. Maybe you do have your guitar and sing every once in a while. Maybe, you know, you you talk sometimes about dealing with change. Maybe that has some elements in there. But now at this point, I think your viewpoint is secure. And, And I know you were saying this earlier. I think most people, if they don't know who you are and haven't read your book, it is interesting that you really have changed the terminology and the idea of black sheep and what that's about. And I think that in itself is a pretty unique viewpoint. That might be for some people that are hearing you or at least reading your book, if that's the way that they come into contact with you. It, it's probably the reason, you know, I have four keynotes for the most part yeah. service, yeah. leadership, building, you know, a rock star team. All of it's got that rock and roll edge. But my number one, probably forever. Will be culture that rocks because I work for an awesome culture. I think when you think right now, part of the you know going back to number one, you know, looking at doing your research, people talk a little bit about culture. They they've weaned into it, they, they might even talk about you even talk about high-performance cultures, but who really had their finger on the pulse and started talking about culture? And when I came out of the gate, there wasn't a lot. And, and honestly, I say this sometimes when I'm working with executives. 15, 20 years ago, if you were to talk about culture, which is a very nebulous esoteric word in the first place. You can't even see it. Doesn't show up on the PL. But you know, me yeah. as a training and development guy, I'd have a conversation with a CEO. I'd throw down the culture card and go, we ought to do it because it's cool and it's fun. And I'd get laughed out of the room because it didn't have any yeah. stickiness, right? It wasn't tied to anything strategic, no objectives. Now right. there are way too many companies that have proven everybody wrong. They swear the only reason they are where they are is because of their culture. So, I guess this is where probably luck fell into it as well. When I stepped out of corporate America, uh, you know, I just discovered there was a window. There was a, a a niche really that needed to be filled. And so, I think you're right. If people spend a little bit of time up front and not just go out there and go, "I want to be a speaker." And, you know, and all the craziness that comes with that and they're ill-prepared, and they don't know yeah. who they're up against or if, yeah. if even people want to hear something like that, then I think they're really yeah. going to struggle. So I, I think our viewpoints, we've been very, very lucky. And to be honest with you, even though we're very different in styles, which you'll talk about the third step here, I love when we're together because, you know, we have a training program. I think probably some people know called Certified Rockstar you, you take, you know, the, the research check. Wait, I'm not worried about that. But our unique viewpoints, when you put that together and do it in a symbiotic relationship and we can co-facilitate, man, it's yeah. fun. Because you're going to get a whole bunch of awesomeness, but very different takes on the way that you deliver, which again, this is sort of the third thought that rocks. What What is our third thought when it comes to finding your niche as a
0: speaker? Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com/slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now, back to the show. I, I think you have to pick your style, right? Um, there are different types of presenters, um, and, and I think that you have to find the one that is most natural and authentic to you. So yeah. what what do I mean by that? I mean that some of us are teachers and when we present we're really just teaching. Other people are storytellers. And so it's more about taking somebody on a, on this journey, right? Follow me uh, on this journey. Other people are uh you know more inspiration focused where it's not really Practical, tactical, which would be another form of really presenting and, and again, you know, we talk a lot about speaking and presenting. I think they're two different things. I think speakers leave, leave space in the room to capture the truth. Um, and that's, that's just choice. It's nothing but a choice. And, and some people are very comfortable, um, sort of capturing that truth in the room and going with it and letting it go where it needs to go. Um, other people don't want to do that. Other people just have their roadmap and this is what they're going to do. And they're going to stick to that roadmap. And I think that, you know, that's the difference uh, a lot with you and I, right. So where, where I leave, um, some space in the room because I'm comfortable in the moment of, of uh, even though I tell people not to wing it, um, of, of being able to wing it in the moment, just enough to, be able to to take, a, to take that lightning in a bottle that you might be able to capture, which is is difficult, um, but to allow space for that to happen. Um, yeah. Whereas you are much more coming from a teaching background. Yeah. You have many more slides than I do, but it's because you are used, I mean, you used to be a teacher. So you 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 sort of approach it with that mindset of write this down. This is what's going to happen. This is what I want you to take home with you. Whereas I want people leaving like, you know, their heart's full and they're spinning and like they're running through a, you know, <laughs> daisy's field um, when they leave. Uh, it's just, di- it's just different, but, yeah. um, but both of them are incredibly effective and it's why yeah. uh, oftentimes we find ourselves booked at the same events because we talk about different things, about. but they have some correlations, but how we present our, our night and day difference. Yeah, and it, it's funny. I,
1: um, you know, you talk about speaking and and presenting, and and eventually, I think we might even do uh, a, an episode on that and do a deep dive. I almost look at the difference between speaking and facilitating. It's somewhat mm-hmm. like what you're saying, but the the more participatory in nature. You know, if you can truly get people to be interactive where they might be doing group discussions report outs you're able to to answer any question and it doesn't throw you off during the session you know those are fun those you know i love facilitating when i've got a workshop or a half a day if i'm doing an hour hour and a half keynote you're right i probably you know and i've always been guilty of this i'm i'm much better at staying on time but I, I I do have ten pounds of content, a five pound bag, and I'm moving at a pretty yeah. brisk pace. And if I have my druthers, if a client says, "How are you? How do you feel about doing Q and A or doing forty five minutes of content, fifteen minutes of a question and answer at the end?" I go, "Listen, I don't want to hold the group hostage. I'd rather do Q and A over on the side or out the foyer or whatever. Let me use the whole hour because I'll have a much better story arc." But to your point. My stories are very, very deliberate. I know when it's gonna happen. I do have people writing things down. I'm floating back and forth between video, PowerPoint, storytelling, sometimes flip chart, just because like I'm trying to make it so interactive that time goes by like that, but it's very needy. But you you did bring up a really good point. One thing that you would be awesome at and are awesome at, the fact that you don't really have to rely on your slides. You could try for the most part, I think, be a storyteller. I think if I remember, there's a couple you really love those visuals, Mm -hmm. but honestly, if the PowerPoint, if the power went out, you could still Mm -hmm. do your thing. Where I would be sunk. I mean, I just had this happen. I was sharing with you on my very last gig, I was up in North Carolina. Um, I was about nine tenths of the way done. I'm about to show my last video and here comes the spinning, you know, multicolored Wheel of Death. And my PowerPoint was shot. And luckily, I only had a story or two at the end and I could wrap up. If that were to yeah. happen in the middle or at the beginning, yeah. boy, I can do a song and dance, but it's not going to have the meatiness because I rely on visually letting people know what's going on and having them respond and write that stuff down. So it is You know, I do have an issue with that because I would real but it's a choice. And I've been knock on wood, very lucky for so Mm -hmm. long. And I think Mm -hmm. there might be some people with that educational training background. If that, like you said, practical, tactical, if that's your style, then lean into it and and make that your thing. Because if you try and be all things to all people, you're gonna get bollocks up and you'll confuse people. I think you know exactly who you are. I know exactly who I am, but we can play off of each other or. If it was just back to back, it's just two different styles. But people would both walk out of going, "That was an awesome use of my time."
0: I agree, and I, I feel like it's you know part of part of my comfortability comes from, uh, to be honest, through through the training I did with uh, uh, with Tamsin, um, because yeah. her way of teaching this red thread method of of telling a narrative, um, there's five sections. To the narrative, and so as long as I know what section I'm in, it doesn't matter yeah. if I have slides or not, because I know I can speak within the section that I'm that I'm there, and I know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Um, so that 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 helps a lot. I think the other thing that really is something that that takes just you have to get enough reps, right? You have to get enough reps to try. You know, it's it's. I can remember. You know, when... Uh, you're, you're, you're saying repetition,
1: know. get enough speaking gigs Correct. for those who do
0: Yeah, the more gigs you do, the more you're going to really have uh, enough data to figure out what's working and what's not, right? Right. Um, and so, you know, in the music biz, when when we would tour with, with the Kettle drum, you know, we'd be writing songs when we were, uh, you know, traveling and off tour and whatever that is. But then we want to sort of introduce a song into the set. And so we try it out and it either goes well, or it's crickets. And so you're like, well, you know, let's toss that one. We're not going to do that again. Um, you need to have the, the, just those, those repetitions of constantly being able to try to see what works. And so for me over the last year or so, you know, I, I, I had some time to work with, um, an incredible copywriter, uh, who just, Really asked me some difficult questions. And, and as I was working with his name is Paul and, and, and uh, we can put his information in the show notes. Um, but he's just, he's, he's now worked with three, four, five of my, uh, of both of our speaker friends, um, because he really helps <coughs> you figure out what you want to say and how you're going to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, he comes from the acting background, so he has that sort of performance part of him as well that is about delivering those words with all of the passion that you want it to have. Um, and so, you know, I, the shift that I have made this last year has been, I don't need to be the, the, the former rock star. I don't need to to push myself as the guy with the guitar If I choose to use a guitar, it's just an instrument like you would use a flip Mm -hmm. chart, right? That's all it is and nothing more. Um, and so there are some gigs now that I don't (laughs) use the guitar. It just, it just depends on, on how I'm feeling. And if I'm lazy and I don't want to drag my guitar on a plane, then I don't bring it. Um, but you know, I don't need it. And before, you know, when I first started, it was a crutch. I needed it because it was like part of my shtick and I needed to have that. But as the years have gone by, um, and my, my style has, has moved from not just inspirational or motivational, but yes, with some real practical tactical takeaways but the way that i present those things are still my way right There's still a very yeah. uh, animated um way of presenting them from stage and and it, and it feels loose and fluid because it's by design um yeah. and so that is that is sort of it, it's taken me a long time to sort of not just figure out who's doing what in the market. You know, there's, there are lots of guys with guitars. I should say a few guys with guitars that do this sort of thing as keynote speakers yeah. and they're very well known. Um, and, uh, and they've sort of owned the market for years. So you don't want to come in, you know, as I, you know, when I first entered, I was Jim light. And so people would say, well, if you, if you like Jim and you can't afford Jim, you can take brand cause he's Jim light um, which was great when I first started. To be fair, we may be positioned it that way on accident. And, and that's fine. That's fine. It is, it, you know, when I was first starting it, uh, it was how, you know, I did, I got gigs that way and, and they couldn't yeah. afford you. And so they got me. Um, and, and I think in a lot of cases that can be smart, but it can backfire too, because mm-hmm. people want who they want. if they want them enough, they'll find the money to pay for them. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, unless you're a Brene Brown, unless you're Gary Vee, um, where, you know, they're getting 150, 200, $250,000 to talk, um, then yes, then yes, you might get some gigs that, that don't have that type of budget, but for yeah. the most of these conferences that would bring in someone like that, guess what? They have that kind of budget, and they're going to spend it on the people that they know are going to sell tickets, and okay. so that is uh, a little different world. But to get back to this idea of what your style is, um, I think it's important that that you know what you're good at, and if you're going to to mash these styles together in a mashup, which I think a lot of speakers do, yeah. um, then know what it is. You don't want to go more than maybe two styles, right? Otherwise you just seem like Chris Farley. You're just, you're frantic yeah. on stage and it doesn't, it doesn't come off like you want it to. But if you're, if you're a teacher with some great stories, fantastic. If you are a storyteller with some inspiration, fantastic. If you're a motivation with a little few practical ideas, fantastic. But, you know, know your lanes and, and, and try to stay within two lanes, I would say.
1: Yeah. And, and you said it best, I think for my style, just because I had that teaching background, um, you know, something else that, that my close friends will know. I just, I can't remember a single joke to save my life. I'm not a jokester, it's not. My dad had nothing but jokes all day long. Some of them were just bad dad jokes, but he he could just sure. rattle it off. He could remember the punchline. I could not for the life of me. And I said, if I go up there and try and be the funny guy, I, I will get laughed at versus you know them laughing with me. So, you, you know, you're right. I probably have two or three guaranteed laughter, yuck, yuck stories. But I'm not going to veer out of that unless, to your right. point, I've had enough reps. So I've tried that. I'm like, ooh, that feels good. That worked great. You know, I just I, I am so amazed by improv actors, you know, or comedians, people that can be so witty and think on their feet. I can do that from a business standpoint. I can answer questions. I can talk in that wheelhouse. But when it comes to the funny, I just go, that's not going to be my style. So I'm not going to be that guy that's going to go up there and tell stories, which, you know, again, I... I know we've talked and it almost sounds like we're, we're talking. Uh, we, we should have Tamson on, on today's episode. She's so good. <laughs> yes. because she, it's so funny. She has told me on multiple occasions. I think you now probably do this. If a client were to ask her for her slides, she'll go, mm-hmm. sure, go ahead. Here's my eight image slides. They're going to mean nothing to you, but here you go. Yes. Where for me, that's yeah. everything. That's the proprietary secret sauce. So I just yeah. don't deliver it in there because I'm so reliant, yeah. but. I figured out my style. I know that that works for me, even in a keynote with maybe perhaps thousands of people. I put it on the back of the client, go, listen, if you want to, you might want to print out this sheet of paper, and I'm going to have them fill that stuff in. And they're thinking, we're killing trees, we're very green, they've got it in their lap, it's not very productive, we don't normally do this, I go, that's cool. But the ones that actually do it are so appreciative afterwards because they go for your presentation, your style, that topic, That required us to do something like that. And people were remembered. If for no other reason, hopefully that gives me a spinoff engagement down the road. So I think you're right. Again, they've sort of got to sit back and think through this. Actually, all three of these, right? The three thoughts that we said were, do your research, know who else and what else is out there. You know, what, what is your angle, your unique viewpoint, but this last one, what is your style? And if it's storytelling or, or teacher or inspirational, when you get that down and and it's not going to come right away, you got to figure it out. You said it best. Once you get to that point, man, you're, you're really in a good place that now you can start getting to the point where you get paid and paid well as a speaker, which I know we'll eventually do an episode on that one as well. You bet. So this has been great. I mean, I appreciate you, man, for uh, just sharing a little bit of insight. And, uh, you know, obviously our books are always listed in the show notes. Again, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if it would necessarily, I hope that we, we read like we speak. I think you'll get a little bit of insight about us uh, if you haven't seen yes. us. But, you know, even looking at our websites, there's always video clips of us. Um, if, if you're somebody who's starting off to be a speaker and you haven't seen one of us, I think it's pretty cool to go look at our two websites, you know, nightspeaker.com and yours is still Black Sheep, right? Black Sheep Values. It's just Brantmensoir.com. That's fine. Brant Go go look at too. these two and uh, just get a get an idea of, of two very different styles,
0: but but ones that,
1: that are very successful.
0: You bet. Awesome. Listen, thank you all for listening. We are uh you know we get asked this question so much uh from people who want to pursue this that we do want to help, but there are some real sort of things and rules of the road you have to know, and that's why we decided to sort of do this little series off to the side when uh when we don't have a guest and and we'll continue with the next one, which would be about how to be paid. Um, you know, you sort mm-hmm. of figured out to get started, you found your niche. Now you want to get paid. Um, those are all, uh, sort of, what do you want to call them? Gates that Almost you pass through yeah. on the road to being a successful speaker. So we appreciate you all listening to this one and hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, stay tuned. We'll be back next week. Rock on, rock on. Hey rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning
1: in. Yeah. And listen, we know how busy you are and grabbing those little nuggets of wisdom that can amp up your life are super hard to come by. So we hope this episode helped you enough for you to maybe subscribe and consider leaving us a rating and a review so that we can
0: continue to grow the show. Thus that rock is a proud member of the evergreen podcast network. and also supports cannonball kids, cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options. They're amazing. Their work is incredible. To learn more, please go to cannonballkidscancer.org.
1: Finally, if you're interested in having Brant or Jim or both of us speak at your event, whether as a virtual webinar or an in-person conference keynote or mastermind, contact us directly at thoughtsetrock.com. Until next time, rock out!